Welcome to Top 5, a show where we biff, bang, pow, and get you to your destination on time. This week. <laughs> yes, this week. Get it. Check it out. It's the Top 5 Comics to Read on a Plane. Or maybe it should be Top 5 uh, Comics to Read while you're in line trying to get checked in through security. When you're waiting in, in the... Uh, yeah, in TSA. Yeah. And you can't uh, go to the to the pickle barrel because a drink is like $18 at the hotel bar. And when is this plane going to board? Sorry. So, uh, obviously, Matthew is here this week. I am. Uh, Rodrigo is here this week. Hey, guys. And the ever-lovely Ashley Victoria Robinson is here this week. Oh, come oh, on. How did you know I brushed my hair this morning? <laughs> <laughs> I saw it on the Instagrams. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Rodrigo and I would like you to go back and find some complimentary adjectives for us as well. Don't, don't throw me into this. <laughs> I'm barely functional as it is. All right. The barely functional Rodrigo is here this week. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Let us uh, start out with uh, you, Rodrigo. Uh, your number five comic that you would recommend someone read on a plane. Now, we, I, I, before we get into this, I should say this is a re- reader suggestion uh-huh. uh, or listener suggestion. But and we've talked about this before when it comes to comics. Comics are can be kind of personal. So just throwing out a generic, hey, here's a comic that you'll enjoy may not always be the comic that you will enjoy. Sure, sure. So, Rodrigo, uh, why don't you start us off? Sure. Uh, so this was a this was kind of a, an interestingly specific prompt. Uh, what comics would you read uh, while you're traveling on a plane? And so I kind of approached it as uh, sort of specific situations when you're traveling. So my number mm-hmm. five is Bone because uh, you might find yourself in a particularly long trip, like if you're flying across continents or something. Uh, or that something you might number three for something. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, um, <laughs> you might uh, find that you have a lot of time, and Bone is a very engrossing story as it goes. Also, if your trip is not that long, this is probably a comic that you can start after you get through security and finish by the time you get it there. Maybe I mean, like throughout your entire like wait and line. And then taxiing, and then take off, and so on and so forth. Um, I would strongly recommend uh, reading it digitally. Actually, I don't even know if it's available digitally. I, I would imagine it is. I'm sure it is uh, because it is kind of a brick. Yeah, I was going to say so, if you if you have the physical mm-hmm. book, it's going to cost you another fifty dollars uh, yep. check-in fee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that would defeat if you check it. That would defeat <laughs> the purpose. But that does mean that you might have to check everything else you're carrying. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Bone from uh, Jeff Smith. Uh, Ashley, what do you have for your number five? My number five is actually all of mine are things that I have actually read on planes. Okay. Uh, and this was the last thing that I read on a plane. Uh, and the first trade is out, and I think only this, the second trade is coming. And it recently, at the time of this recording, became a television series. So don't, don't cheat. Actually read the book. Is uh, Robert Kirkman's Outcast. Mm, I'm very interested in reading this. Uh, it is uh, It is not for the children's. It is for your lock and key crowd, I would say. That same kind of um, extreme violence against a supernatural setting. The art is really great. And because it's Kirkman, uh, not unlike Invincible and Walking Dead, you end and you're like, curses, now I must read the next one. So when you're waiting to uh, leave Phoenix for an hour and 45 minutes of taxiing on the runway, you can burn through 10 issues. And that's why I think <laughs> Outcast is a really great choice to read on a plane, because you'll read all of it. Excellent. Uh, Matthew, what do you have for your number five? Well, I, I need to start this with a caveat. I am a fat man from the Midwest, and I've never flown anywhere. When I go places, we drive. But 
I've been to the airport and I've had to take my child through security and see the plane. So I figure that's close enough. And based on these experiences, my number five is a comic book that really encapsulates every experience I've had at uh, Missouri International Airport in that it is infuriating and a little bit sad all at once. Yeah, that sounds about right for the airport. Jimmy Corrigan, <laughs> The Smartest Kid on Earth by Chris Ware. I want to say it was like 2003, I guess. I read it entirely by accident um, when I was working at a previous call center and you know they actually allowed paper in the building. And it's a really depressing story of a man in his mid-30s who imagines being uh, the smartest young boy on earth. And it will just depress the heck out of you. And it'll make you kind of hate everyone. And I feel like, you know, just based on my experiences and the examples of the people that I've seen at uh, Missouri International Airport, I think that's kind of the way you have to travel on a plane. But it allows you to... Yeah. Just kind of lean into the misanthropy of it all. Yeah, you got to steer <laughs> into some of these skids. And, you know, if you're going to hate everybody, you might as well hate everybody in a way that's slightly poetic and, and a little bit haunting and really interesting to look at. Now, the version that I read was huge. So, again, this is one that you may want to read digitally. And I don't mean huge as in big and thick like bone. I mean it was actually like 12 by 12. <laughs> oh, wow. It's, it's an enormous album-sized book. And it's really intricately drawn. It's really wonderfully written. And bits and pieces of it, you're kind of like, wow, Seth MacFarlane totally ripped this off for Stewie. But Seth MacFarlane claims he's never read it. So you got that going for hmm. you. Either way, my number five is basically misanthropy in a box and that really explains the airport for me so jimmy corrigan smartest boy on earth excellent thank you uh, my number five i think you should read in physical form for two reasons number one if you are a young person uh or if you are someone who looks like you are a very young person ashley hey me yes <laughs> i would suggest getting on board and opening up the book called the runaways <gasps> from brian michael bendis for two I reasons. Number one, uh, the gag factor of people going, uh, this person's by themselves and they're reading a book called The Runaways. Um, I wonder if that's <laughs> saying something. Huh. Uh, works even better if you're flying to the West Coast. Uh, yes. And then number two, because The Runaways is a fan, especially volume one, is a fantastic book by Brian K. Vaughn. And I forget the artist on that. Sorry. Um, but we reviewed it on like the first or second episode of the Major Spoilers podcast. Ever? And it, it, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it is it is a fantastic book and worth your time. It's about a, a bunch of uh, uh, teenagers who discover that their parents are evil, evil, evil villains, and then they uh, try to cope with that by running I think away. It's, that first volume, I believe, is Adrian Alfona. Oh, okay, there you go. Oh, I think you're I right. Yep, yep, I think I you're can't right. Say for sure, but my memory tells me that, and I trust it. Of Ms. Marvel fame, yeah. And so, The Runaways is my number five. Nice. Rodrigo, what do you have for number four? Uh, my number four, uh, so uh, the first one was, you know, what to do uh, if you're traveling for a very long time. Uh, my number four is uh, every once in a while you'll have someone next to you on the plane and they'll want to talk to you. And you might actually want to have a conversation with someone on a flight. So my number four is understanding comics. So you can have an interesting, like 
talk piece uh the mm. scott mcleod mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can have uh, an understand uh, like an interesting thing to talk about. I mean, like, oh, uh, what are you reading? Oh, understanding comics, did you know, like, oh, the film theory, oh, the, the ways of seeing things, and so on <laughs> and so forth. Um, and that's and that's really the the main reason. It's also a great book, uh, but uh, yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, did you know that comics are a legitimate form of art? Oh, let's talk about that. Oh, why are we talking like this? And if they tell you no, then you punch them. Yeah. yeah. If they tell you no, then you can uh, pull out my number three, which is going to be what you read when you don't want people to talk to you. Okay. So uh, before we get to that, we have to hear Ashley's number four. My number four is the thing that I read the last time I flew home to see my family, which was too long ago. It is Nimona by Noelle Stevenson of uh, Lumberjeans fame. Nimona was her webcomic for like 100,000 years that got her. Enough clout to pitch Lumberjeans in the first place, I guess, uh, that I also think was bought by Fox. And it is a really great book if you are me. If you are a young lady <laughs> in your 20s or your teens, um, maybe with body image issues, uh, who likes medieval stuff um, and boys who kiss each other. It's really yeah. fun. It's a super easy read. Um, and you will laugh in that kind of unpleasant way that will make the person next to you lean really close to the window, which for me is a plus because I don't like to talk to strangers. So, yes, Nimona. You should never talk to strangers. I, it's a life choice. Yes. Yes. I just yeah, try not to talk to anybody as a life choice. <laughs> yeah, he fails miserably at that, by the way. Matthew, what is, your, what is your number four? My number four is actually an artifact of what was going to be my top five list. And then I realized that, A, I couldn't actually fill out the top five list based on this theme. And, B, I really didn't want to because I'm thinking this is me reading on, a, on an airplane. But my number four is Air, Volume 1, uh, G. Willow Wilson and uh, M.K. Perker from Vertigo Comics. And the reason I chose this is the first issue of Air Number 1 shows an air hostess falling from a plane. And I'm thinking, okay – if I wanted to keep people away, what better way to do it than to imply that, you know, someone might get thrown out the emergency exit. But, again, that's a, an earlier artifact. It didn't happen that way. I still think this is a good book. And when it came out, I remember having a very specific discussion in the comic book shop in which I worked. And that discussion was five guys, four of them going, this sucks. I don't even know what this is. And me going, I don't know, man. It's kind of cool, and it reminds me of like Thomas Pinchon in a very kind of stream of consciousness way. And I feel like the story's got some depth to it. And everybody going, "I don't like it. I think it sucks." So, you know, it's really a, a microcosm of my life. But it is a story involving a flight attendant. It's a story involving countries that don't exist and destinations that were never there and may never have been there. And eventually it turns into a weird sort of almost invisible style, maybe teleportation, maybe something weird. I think the book only runs 25 or 26 issues total, but volume one is the first five issues, and it's a really fascinating setup to a really whack job premise. I highly recommend it. And if you read it on an airplane, people will be like, you've got a terrible sense of humor. I don't like you. And then you get to your two seats all to yourself. And when I say two seats, I mean me, not Ashley, because, you know. I can hey, curl up on two seats and have a nap. If you, you, uh, if you do it right, I remember flying from Atlanta to uh, California uh, one Thanksgiving, and for whatever reason, I had the first flight out in the morning, 
and it was a 20% filled plane, and I had a whole row to myself, and I did, in fact, stretch out. I did not, however, read my number four, which I should have because it kind of falls into Matthew's uh, number four. It is the Twilight Zone graphic novel, The Odyssey, <laughs> The Odyssey of Flight 33, Flight 33. from oh, Walter God, Books. Now, if you don't know this uh, story, The Odyssey of Flight 33, these guys go up in a plane, uh, this whole passenger plane, mm-hmm. and they are transported through time. Ooh. So they go back all the way and see dinosaurs, some claymation dinosaurs, some old uh, unused Ray Harryhausen footage. And then yep. what do they go into, like World War II? And they end up at times. the World's Fair in 1939, right, before yeah. World War II. And then they come back. And its I think it's not a great uh, Twilight Zone episode, but I could not find a comic oh. book adaptation of Terror at 20,000 feet. So It uh, is great. And it features John Anderson in the best of his four yeah. appearances. And, oh, my God, that ending is just so surling because you get to the end, and I'm not going to spoiler it for you. Okay, yeah, I am. It's a 55-year-old book. It doesn't end. It has the thing, and you fade out, and Rod's like, maybe they made it home. Maybe they didn't. How yep. the hell should I know? It's the Twilight Zone. Yep. Oh. Yep. That's my number four, the Twilight Zone graphic novel, The Odyssey of Flight 33 from Walter Books. You're going to have to dig around to find that one. All right, uh, Rodrigo, we have your number three, something to keep people from talking to you. Right. So uh, my number three is specifically a book that I would take on a plane to keep t- uh, people from talking to me. Um, there is a slight chance that this could backfire depending on who you are sat <laughs> next to. Um, this is also a book that I don't particularly like, so it would largely be specifically for this reason, and that's uh, The Boys, let's say, Volume 1. Mm, yeah. Ooh. Um, that's it a good is, one to start with, so. Yeah, sure. Uh, it, it, like, you know, as, as a recommendation, you might as well start with number, with Volume 1, but... Um, it is violent, it is sexual, and sexual not in a sexy way, but in kind of a gross way. Um, it is, it's weird, and it's dark and stuff, and, and although I normally wouldn't recommend it to really get the full effect, it has to be kind of those things where you, like, fold it backwards, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that so that people can actually, you know, flip, flip through it and see, you know, we hear his girlfriend getting plastered, like, literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. On, onto uh, a wall. Um uh, yeah, exactly. Train. Yeah. So uh, if you don't want people to talk to you, you uh, read The Boys on a Plane. And again, it's a gambit because there's a chance that you're going to get sat next to and be like, next to someone who's like, The Boys? I love The Boys. Oh, I love The mm-hmm. Boys. And, and then you are screwed. Yep. So I, I went on a couple of dates with somebody once and he told me that he thought that The Boys was the most cerebral comic he'd ever read. And I never Ooh. called him back. <laughs> that is, oh, it that is, is a, definitely medulla oblongata. Part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Ashley, what do you have for your number three? Well, my number three was going to be Bone. Um, well, but it still can be your, it still can be your number three. Uh, well, I subbed it out for an equally sizable book that you could okay. uh, you could beat someone over the head with who sits beside you and is really intrigued to talk about the boys with you. Um, and that is Blankets by Craig oh, Thompson. Yeah. Um and I read it uh, flying back to Canada in the winter, which felt extra epic because it's got a lot to do with the snow. And I can I, I have a really easy time selling this book to people when I work retail because it's like the first love that you have and you barricade the door and you hope that nobody's going to come in and figure out what you're doing. And it is beautiful. It is engrossing. It's like a thousand pages long. <laughs> so it's really good for going all the way across the continent and 
It's one of those books that you can give to non-comics people and they totally get it. Like the art in the story transcends uh, the weirdness that some people have about the medium. So I think that that is uh, kind of a fun thing too. So if you're listening to this because your person is making you listen to this, I'm talking to you. Pick up blankets and read it on a plane. There you go. Matthew, what do you have for your number three? Well, it was almost blankets. <laughs> but I was almost certain that either Rodrigo or Ashley would pick blankets because I think it, it, it feels like something that appeals to both of them. So I went for something that has that same sense of tragedy and that same sense of weird, quiet, terrible lives collapsing into nothingness, but also ties in uh, a little bit of uh, the movie Idiocracy, or as I like to call it, the year 2016, and predates uh, a lot of really specific things about pop culture in the year 2016. The Cowboy Wally Show by Kyle Baker from, I don't know, 2000, 2003. I think it came out back when there was still a Piranha Press imprint, so that should tell you what I know. But this book is 100% about failure, and I really kind of love it. And it, it's hard to describe other than saying that Kyle Baker has one of the driest and most sardonic senses of humor that I have ever encountered. And this book has no mercy, none. You will feel bad for everyone in this book, and then you'll hate them. And then you'll feel bad for hating them. And then you'll come back around and you'll empathize with them again. And it's so wonderful. It's like 200 pages of brilliance. Uh, Cowboy Wally is a fading TV star who's trying to keep his fame and fortune any way he can. And I've been trying to get Stephen to let us review this on the show for 10 hey, it's years. Not, it's not up to me, man. It's up to the listeners. <laughs> for 10 years, I've been it's begging up, for Cowboy it's up, Wally. It's up for the listeners. So, you know, if, next time it... Next time it Next time it shows up on a poll, maybe people will vote for it. Maybe they won't. Yeah. We'll have to see. But it's a wonderful book, and it's a, it's a book that you could actually share, or more likely you could ignore people around you, or even worse, the people around you could ignore you because you're terrible. But it's okay because you got Cowboy Wally, and you'll never be as terrible as Cowboy Wally. Yep, there you go. All right, my number three is a book that will let you uh, figure out who's the douchebag on your plane. It is uh, Watchmen. <laughs> Yes. Now, beyond watching just being watchmen. a just beyond the just being a great story and everything, uh, you whip out the Watchmen, and somebody next to you is going to go, "Oh yeah, I've read the Watchmen. It's such a great book." And then you can catch them by saying, "Well, yeah. What did you think of the symmetry throughout the whole book? Or what did you think of the uh, the Gordian knot uh, subtext that goes on throughout the whole piece? And the nine panel structure. <laughs> and the nine panel structure. And then when they are like, Duh, buh, but I like the movie, then you can say, uh huh, and then you can haughtily yeah. turn your back to them in your in your seat." And then you can hit them with pages the, of Watchmen. The comic change font is actually based on Dave Gibbons' lettering in the yeah. Watchmen book. But uh, definitely, definitely read Watchmen. It is something that's twelve issues long, um, medium to long flights. That you'll definitely be able to get through this on, on that, and it is definitely worth your time if you've never read it before. So that's my number three. On to our number twos, Rodrigo. Yeah, Charleston Comics. Um, sorry, <laughs> just had a flashback there. Uh, so. Um, my number two is, uh, something to have if you are the sort of person that gets dizzy on a flight. So I was like, what if you're like having problems, but you don't want to be like super bored, just like staring forward, why can you read? That's not going to like cause you to like scan the page like crazy. You know, it's like in a, like 
super tight Dark Knight Returns climbing up a tower kind of way. Um, and then I thought, you know, it'd be great is uh, any given volume of the far side. And I know mm-hmm. that my number four specifically says that the far side isn't sequential art, but whatever, man, <laughs> just relax. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, you just flip page to page and there's like, oh, there's some cows. And then there's like a kid with a giant head and an apple on it. And, and then there's you know, a, a duck for some reason. Yeah. It was like, and then there's some more know. cows. So, yeah, some more cows, some smoking dinosaurs, you know. Yeah. It's it's the far side. If you're not familiar with the far side, uh, you should sorry. check it out. And here's the thing: if you're not familiar with the dark side, and now it's the year 2016, <laughs> uh, you are going to look at this and say, "How could people ever have been into this?" Because I, I'm I'm convinced that the far side is its own kind of time nexus. Yeah, hmm, that's it's interesting. Like, it was so a a thing of its time. It's like it wasn't necessarily a product of its time. Mm-hmm. So much as it was like this perfect Bi- segment <laughs> of time. Yeah. And it's like – and but you can actually see the influence of the Farsight in a lot of things. I, I yeah. fully believe that we wouldn't have Robot Chicken today if it wasn't for the Farsight, yeah. for example. Yeah. I might have to um, test the Farsight on my, on my oldest son yeah. just to see if he finds it funny or not. Because I think it, somebody like Matthew or I sitting down and reading this, we'd still laugh because we remember reading it in the right. paper when it first came out. But someone who's young, who's never been experienced to it, I wonder if they, I mean, I'm sure they'd get the jokes, but I wonder if they'd find it funny or if it feel, felt dated to them. The I, uh, challenge like, accepted. But yeah. she said that it felt very dated and very old. And I think that's actually a selling point for her because she's an 80s hipster. Mm-hmm. So. Bill yeah. Tiny Hipster. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. I like things before they were cool, before I was born. <laughs> Ashley, what do you have for number two? My number two is uh, if you're looking for something funny, which means that the weird jock guy who's sitting beside you is going to judge you for opening a comic book, but then we'll read it over your shoulder. Dost thou even (laughs) lift, brother? Um, Because it's it's funny. It's a good book. Uh, Is Justice League International. Mm -hmm. Um, It is maybe a bit of a deep cut. If you're not a huge DC Comics person, like, I don't know if everyone knows who Fire and Ice are, um, but it's super funny. It requires, like, no emotional commitment from you. So if you've exhausted yourself reading blankets, this is a really good one to go to. It's got Booster Gold. It's got, like, comic candy, bright art, and there is more than one volume to take. When yep. you leave your country. So I, I've read JLI on the plane a couple times. It's a, it's a good backup for me. Excellent. Got the Bwahaha's going Yep, definitely exactly. the Bwahaha. It's my favorite Justice League. Uh, Matthew, what do you have for number two? My number two also comes from DC Comics circa the Ooh. 1980s. Just a little bit earlier than Ashley's number two. A little bit darker. And by a little bit, I mean, oh my God, so much darker. New Teen Titans? <laughs> it is very complicated to explain this because it's actually volume two of the character but it's volume one of the series and it's the first trade paperback they ever made but they've gone back and they put in all the others and there's actually five volumes of the book but what i'm talking about is saga of the swamp thing volume one which is actually swamp thing volume two trade paperback volume one it begins with alan moore (laughs) and the anatomy lesson which is now this is important volume one of saga of the swamp thing starts with issue 20 
because the first 19 issues were kind of trumped and rebuilt from the ground up by issue 20, where Alan Moore asks the question, what if he was never actually Alec Holland at all? And then you get that eight-issue arc where he has to come to terms with, if I'm not Alec Holland, what in Lord's name am I? And then it starts getting really freaky, and I think the demon shows up. But these are just classic comic reads. And these are the kind of books that I do recommend having because the people who know what they are will be attracted to you. And the people who don't know what they are will see the Rick Vietch art and the gorgeous, lush swamplands and alligators and monsters and demons and back away slowly with their fingers crossed in the hopes that you won't infect them as well. Or you're going to get that one guy that goes, hey, now that stupid gif makes perfect sense to me. Well, if he says gif, I will punch him (laughs) right in the face. But more importantly, Saga of the Swamp Thing, Volume 1, Swamp Thing, Volume 2, Number 1, which starts with Number 20 is an excellent comic book read, and it's one of the books that I would recommend to anybody. And it's a great read that comes in chapters, because in 1984, they still expected you to read them an issue at a time. So if you have a few seconds here, and then you're interrupted, and a few minutes here, and then you're interrupted, it still reads. You can still get a little bit in, take a break, come back, and still have a cohesive story. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to go back and figure out where the hell you were and what page of Bendis dialogue, I mean, uh, what page of ongoing dialogue you you stopped on and where you're at in this story. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, my number two is one that over time has really come into its own and is a solid story with solid characterizations. But in the first Omnibus, the first 12 issues of this, it really is poking fun at every comic trope, every comic character ever in existence, and tells a pretty good story at the same time. It's Invincible Omnibus Volume 1. Yes. And if you want to know what's going on with Mark Grayson and his father from another planet and his becoming a superhero, then uh, Invincible is the book you want to check out. And really, there's so much good art, and there the the this is not a heavy read book. You will get through the Omnibus probably... Even in a even in a short hour and thirty minute flight, you will get through that entire omnibus because it's that good and you'll read it that fast. So that's my number two, Invincible Omnibus or the Invincible Omnibus Volume One. Or omnibus I will say, um, if you're going to be that person who's going to go out and pick up the trades instead of buying the omnibus on Stephen's recommendation, you have to read the first two trades of Invincible yeah. to get to the hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And that's why I said the, that's why I went with the that. omnibus because yeah. you're going to get so much in that because that's what happened to me. I think um, Image had sent me like the first two trades uh, early on in the major spoilers life. And I burned through them. I was like, no, now I need the rest. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really good. All right, everyone, we are up to our number ones and I'll be interested to see if everyone else has blankets on the list, just like I do. Rodrigo, what do you have for number one? Uh, my number one uh, is, is not blankets. Damn it. Uh, in fact, my uh, my story with Blankets was uh, Blankets came into the Major Spoilers HQ back when I was living in Kansas. Yes. And Steven looked at it and was like, this seems big and up your alley. So here you go. And I said, hey, <laughs> no, it was, I think specifically I said this was like in 2007. I yeah. said, here, Rodrigo, why don't you read this now so that we can review it on a future Major Spoilers po- podcast. Yep. Smash cut to 2015. Hey, man, I'm moving Here's uh here's your book back. Yep. Yeah, that was like <laughs> untouched, completely untouched. Uh, 
unlike all of the like asterisks that Stephen let me borrow, which I actually did read through, um, that that book was like pristine as it was handed to me. <laughs> um, so I've never read Blankets. Uh, <laughs> so okay, so that story aside, my number one I think combines pretty much uh, everything uh, we've talked about. Um, and also, it comes in like a very portable size, so it's you can have the actual paper version and uh, read it without any problems. And that is Gone, G O N, the story of a little oh. dinosaur. I've talked about Gone before mm-hmm. on this show, I'm sure, and definitely on the Major Spoilers podcast. Yep. It's it's a uh, Gone is art, um, and it is hilarious art about a tiny bellicose dinosaur. So that lives in like modern times for some reason. Doesn't make any sense, but it's fantastic. Um, you can flip to a particular page and Gone will be super cute. And then people can talk to you about it. You can flip to a particular page in which Gone is just absolutely like destroying some poor woodland creature for having the gall of going anywhere near him. Um, if you don't want people to talk to you, um, you can keep it in your pocket. And there's multiple volumes. So you can fill your backpack with Gons and um, just don't say it like that when you're going through security because they might misunderstand you. Um, and uh, you, can, you can get a great reading experience. It's a quick read. Uh, and it's definitely it's, – it's actually something that I have taken on trips just because – it's it's kind of fun to just check back with Gone, even if you've already re- read stuff. Uh, just you know, the art is absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, my number one uh, thing to read on an airplane is Gone. And if you see a little orphan child running around, uh, you can give it to them. Yeah, and they can definitely. explore the world of comics. Uh, Ashley, what do you have for number one? I know it's uh, not blankets. It's not blankets, but it is similar to blankets, and I think everything else I've recommended in that it is good for length because almost every flight I take uh, usually winds up taking me across the continent, which means I have at least nine hours of flying ahead of me, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't want to carry more than one book on the plane. So the other, this one is more than one books, but it's all on comiXology, and it is the Young Avengers slash the New Avengers because once you read Young Avengers and fall in love with how amazing they are, and I'm talking about the original Jim Chung drawn Young Avengers, oh, not yeah. the all new Marvel Now uh, garbage Young Avengers, <laughs> um, and that most of that team carries over onto Dan Slott's uh, New Avengers. So you get to see all of the characters that you just fell in love with, except the ones who quit the team, uh, go and do adult avenging, uh, but a few short hours after you met their teenage selves. And that's really cool. Uh, it has the more capable of the two Hawkeyes on it. Uh, it has the cutest gay couple in all of Marvel Comics. And it has a black kid, pa- Captain America. So it wins all the diversity points. Uh, it's heavy in in a way that doesn't won't drag you down for your whole flight, but it will definitely occupy your entire time. Uh, and you get some good angst in there, which is always amusing as an adult person. I think cool. Slot's run is actually Mighty Avengers. Oh, you're right. It's Mighty Avengers. I'm so sorry. That's cool. Scrap it. Let's take it back. Then you can, then you can read your uh, Avengers or, or Young Avengers Runaways crossover. Yeah. Go. From a Don't. Civil War? Don't read that. <laughs> no, don't just, read that. Just don't. It's not good. <laughs> Rodrigo, what do you have for your number one? That was. Or, I'm sorry, we just did uh, you. Uh, uh, yep. Matthew, number one. Sorry. Hi, my Hello. name's Matthew, not Rodrigo. 
You may remember me from such movies as Bloody Mess on the Highway. Anyway, my number one is a book that I recommend reading to anyone at any time, but it's also thematically appropriate for the airport. And it's beautiful, and it's ridiculously fun, fast, entertaining reading, but it's got fights, and it's got cool flying stuff, and it's got weird Nazis, and it's got Betty Page, only not. And they've remastered it, so you can now buy The Rocketeer, colon, The Complete Adventures, all of Dave Stevens' original Rocketeer stories in one volume. And it's a relatively easy-to-carry volume. So you can see the story of Cliff Secord, who discovers this strange device that may or may not have been built by Doc Samson. Not Doc Samson. Yeah, Doc, Doc Samson. Doc Samson. No. Yeah. Samson, Doc Samson is uh, the Hulk psychiatrist. Yeah, you're no, talking Doc, Doc, Doc Savage is who you're talking about. Doc Samson protects the Venture Brothers. That's right. No, anyway. Brock Samson. <laughs> no, Brock Samson. Never mind. That's, that's I was, what I had for my lunch today. Brock no, Samson. Locked, locked Samsung is when you can't <laughs> get into your briefcase. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> how dare you? Anyway. Rocketeer, The Complete Adventures, really, really a beautiful book, really a great read. And it's kind of a throwback to a time in comics when having just a, you know, a, a fun adventure with a weird two-fisted, not terribly bright guy who ends up having you know, a, a smart friend and a really, really smart girlfriend who ends up kind of getting him out of trouble half the time. Doesn't have Timothy Dalton in it, but we've got a movie for that. You can watch that later. I highly recommend it. And if you get it in digital, on you're watching it on your or you're reading it on your iPad, you could watch the movie right after. Don't watch the movie right no, after. No, the movie is fantastic. The movie is fantastic. Mm. You don't want to have two adaptation things back to back because then your brain conflates them into one story and you'll never know the difference. Uh, and you'll have the problem that I have in trying to remember the difference between guy as Zorro and Guy as the father from Lost in Space, and you imagine Zorro on Lost in Space. That is what will happen to you. Don't do it, kids. Hmm. Okay. Stay in school. My number one is actually one that I actually did read on a comic while I was flying to the San Diego Comic-Con decades ago. It feels like decades ago. Uh, we were looking for something to read, my wife and I, and so I bought a bunch of the single trades of The Ultimate Spider-Man, and I think I ended up with like eight of them. And she and I just traded them back and forth reading through the entire time on the flight. Uh, but I think actually I would suggest the Ultimate Spider-Man Omnibus 1, uh, which covers a lot of the Brian uh, Michael Bendis uh, stuff. And or really, it's all Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, Bendis uh, like 106 issues on that thing. But it uh, but it covers all the the good. I wouldn't say the good stuff. How do I say this? So it doesn't sound mean. It, it covers all the stuff about Spider-Man that you know and love in a new ultimate form. And uh, for people who aren't super familiar with Spider-Man, I don't know how you would be super unfamiliar with Spider-Man at this point, but Ultimate Spider-Man Omnibus uh, 1 is actually very good reading. And I know Matthew hates the Ultimate Universe, but uh, this is one that I love, and it really gave me a new passion to uh, to check out all sorts of other Spider-Man stuff. And if you're flying with a, with a loved one, this is something that you can pass back and forth with one uh, to one another as you fly. Um, but again, I might say because of the size get the digital version if you have it i don't hate the ultimate universe i hate ultimate spider-man 
I find the ultimate universe to be unnecessary and it has the worst case of alternate universe, everybody dies because it doesn't matter syndrome ever in comics history. Mm. It does. Miles. It went it went a, a thousand years, so it's like even worse, right? It's like mm-hmm. um most of the time it's just like, oh, everybody died, but you got a cool story about the juggernaut in a single issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like with the ultimate universe is like and the past ten years of your life didn't matter. <laughs> you know, when they kill Cy- Cy- Cyborg, Cyclops, Wolverine, Magneto, Professor X, and Doctor Strange in the space of four pages, I'm like well, that does, May- uh, let's just put it this: this doesn't happen in Ultimate Spider-Man, and it doesn't no, happen it doesn't. in the and it doesn't happen in the uh, first omnibus of Ultimate Spider-Man. So uh, Spider-Man read Ultimate is an Spider-Man. Retelling of someone else's story. Yeah, really, exactly. this is this is our uh, this is our listeners' fault for suggesting a comic <laughs> book show on top five. Yep. you're gonna have like a weird like nerd digression per uh, per entry. Yeah. Well, let's bring it back around and put it back on the rails, or should I say, back up in the air. And uh, wrap up this issue by saying thank you, Rodrigo, Ashley, and Matthew. And listener, listeners, uh, now it's your chance to head over to Majorspoilers.com. Share your thoughts. Share your top five comics that you would recommend people read on the plane. Tell us why you recommend it. Uh, make sure you uh, give us the full title and, and uh, creators so that makes it easier for people to find it. And you may uh, be surprised the next time you get on board your uh, Jet West that uh, the person sitting next to you is maybe reading one of your picks Why? Because everybody loves a list. You guys just go ahead and do top five. I'll just come back once you pull down. (laughs) America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.